pain that you're working through all the time, I don't think you are necessarily encouraged to show it in your day-to-day job. But as an artist, I kind of expect it from you. I'm on a journey at the moment to take the torture out of my process. Welcome to Not A Real Artist, a podcast by me, Tamara Sagadevan. And me, Iris Fritchie-Cousins, discussing relatable creative topics with honesty and humor. Tune in for today's episode where we discuss the tortured artist. Oh my God, Tamara, are we tortured artists? I don't know. Is this a tortured podcast? (laughs) Are we torturing people by making them listen? (laughs) (laughs) We are tortured and in turn torturing. I don't know. I actually have that question in my mind. Do you and I only discuss subjects that are torturous or painful? And what is torture? How do you define torture? Well, it's funny because I often think of myself as a person who does a lot of thinking. I'm in therapy. Therapy as a rule, it's kind of like you're stirring up your shit and you're talking about, you're not just talking about the happy stuff because the happy stuff is like, there's no conflict there. There's nothing to solve there. You tend to talk about the struggles because that's where something is still to be learned and solved and progressed through and stuff. I do feel like I both by the person I am, but also the actions that I take, I am a person who is quite often engaged in the kind of the paraphernalia of negative feelings, not because I'm such a negative person, but just because I'm engaged with figuring those kind of things out. And and I do think that for a large part, that's what my art comes out of. I think that's what attracted me to art in the first place. So for me, there's definitely a correlation, not to hijack the conversation straight away at the start of this podcast. I thought we were going to like have a little intro, like, how are you? How are you? But no, we're going straight into it. I recently have been feeling much more happy, actually. And I was also discussing this with my coaching client because she's had a similar experience of when you've had a process of art that has always been born out of kind of unhappiness or working through feelings or having a place for those negative feelings. And then all of a sudden you're feeling happier. Like where is the place for your art then? Like how does that relationship continue when actually the driving force for it all of a sudden is quieter. So those are my thoughts at the moment. Definitely a tortured artist, but then when all of a sudden you find yourself that you're not, does your art even still exist? If I think about my art process, I do think there are a lot of painful metaphors or sometimes reaction to painful things. I don't know if that's because maybe pain fuels connections. I don't necessarily have that experience. Yes, I do use art to sit in my shirts, but I also use art to do silly things too. It's quite a A scary thought, actually, if I think that one mode of emotion or being feels to me like the main way to access my practice. I'm not saying that's exactly what you said, but I think it could be for somebody who only paints about, and I think torture is such a strong word, their pain. Someone might think that I'm a tortured artist because I think we're encouraged as artists to maybe more openly share what we feel. When I was an analyst, I made an analysis on people of color hired by the company and salary disparity. And that was seen as an attack. We don't want to see this. What the fuck is this? This is nonsense. Whereas when I made an art piece about it, people were asking me questions and they wanted to know, well, oh, how did this come about? And they want to know more about it. Same thing in both fields. But as an artist, you're encouraged to share more. And maybe that's why we come across or we feel like we're more tortured because we're given the space to express our pain. 
Yeah, that's a good point. So you're saying that there is actually more room for it. You fill the room that is given to you. You yourself, the pain that you're working through all the time, I don't think you are necessarily encouraged to show it in your day-to-day job. But as an artist, I kind of expect it from you. That's such an interesting thing to shed light on. So you're saying that you've got the public and the private, and generally in the public sphere, you don't delve into your feelings, you don't show the gamut of your emotions. That is for the private sphere. But actually, as artists, we are straddling the public and the private in that we're making very kind of private feelings public through it's almost like being a go-between it does lead to the question of like do you need to be a tortured artist in order to be that go-between in order to create that connection between the public and the private and the private feelings and making them public I don't believe you to that could just be my privilege speaking I don't have the same mental health issues that other people might have I'm not saying I'm I everything's a-okay please send help she's trapped in the closet <laughs> <laughs> Because of my experience, I don't feel like I'm a tortured artist. Yes, I I paint about painful things sometimes, but I also paint the stupid. And personally, I'm quite a, a happy person. I think it might not come across, though, in the things that I share. And that just might skew public perspective. They would think that I'm just a person like facing racism and fat phobia all the time. But no, I actually do have another part of my life that's quite cool. I think... The additional part that I'm trying to bring to the conversation here is why do we feel we need to be tortured? Like between us, I understand you're delving into that all the time, but I think there's also a public pressure or an outer pressure that artists should be tortured and melancholy and uh, living in squalor. You need to be like Francis Bacon or cut your ear off, all these kind of these crazy ways of living. Like, I wonder why we feel we need to be like that or why the public, and when I say public, I mean people that aren't artists, okay? Why they feel that we need, it's like a price to pay. That's what I I feel it is. If you're going to not subscribe to nine to five and have a shit boss, then what is the other price that you're paying for this life where I think people think we do nothing? I think you're you're making an interesting point about, it's kind of a chicken and an egg situation then. Is it like, oh, artists need to be tortured in order to be valid? The process needs to be tortured in order for the art to be valid? Or is that just a thing that is the case with lots of artists that art is an expression of pain or people who are in pain, some people turn to other things, but some people turn to dr- to drugs. I was going to say some people turn to art and then I said some people turn to drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever works for you, yo. <laughs> some people turn to drugs and some people turn to art. Is that something that is required of us that comes from the outside? Or is it just something that comes from the inside for a lot of people? Is it this idea that everything has a price? Or is it this idea that anything that is suffering is noble? Yeah, and anything that's easy is unworthy. Because easy equals lazy. Oh, you're having like a brainwave. I can see it on your face. (laughs) (laughs) I thought about this quote of yours that there's ease in legitimacy. It's so funny because now I quote myself and I quote you in daily life. No, there's legitimacy and ease. L- legitimacy and ease, my yeah, bad. That. <laughs> <laughs> Almost. Yeah. I spoke to you recently and I said, oh, I'm so used to things coming easy for me. But when it comes easy, then there's a problem. And when it doesn't, it's another problem. It's just mm-hmm. like 
either one is not good. And I thought about this thing, things come easy for me. And I thought, what a load of bullshit. Yeah, it comes easy now, but it wasn't coming easy three years ago. It was a practice. And ease is just a symptom of growth. Oh, I like that. Quote that. I just wonder about this legitimacy. There's ease in legitimacy. Am I quoting it wrong again? There's legitimacy in ease. <laughs> There's I think. legitimacy in I don't ease. remember saying it, but it sounds like something I would say. And if I were to say it, then that's the way I would say it. Well, my question to you is, if you do a painting and it takes you 15 minutes and it looks absolutely great, are you comfortable with it? No, I feel like I must be doing something wrong. I'm like, this is too easy. I'm a hack. This is not real art. I must suffer for my art. It's only really real art if it has taken me six or eight hours paint or like several six or eight months or whatever. And I don't know where this comes from. Like, because that is not the way I do my art. My art is very quick and dirty and it comes out in bursts and then when it comes out it is easy when it feels in flow it's like it just comes out and then other times that doesn't happen and I'm like pushing and pushing and I'm like then I'm the tortured artist but when I'm the tortured artist I don't actually make my best art I make my best art when I am in that flow and not tortured basically that what comes out might look tortured you know like my style it's like crying, bleeding eyes, weird shit, whatever. It might look tortured, but the process was not tortured when I make my bed. Well, there's three things I want to say. I hope I can keep track. The one thing is to any of the listeners, to our thousands, millions of viewers out there, maybe you can tell us and share with us if you do a piece of art and it takes you a very short time, whether you feel it's valid or not, whether you feel comfortable with that, because I'm really interested in hearing other people's opinions. The second one is, Iris, it took you so much of time and effort to get to this point where you know how to move the brayer just right. That's a, that, that's what I was just thinking as well. I was going to interrupt you to say that and then and then you started saying it yourself. Yes, absolutely. We have this like short-term memories, goldfish memories. We can't remember all the stuff that went in between and back. The third thing I wanted to say is you said when you're tortured, that's not when you're doing your work. And I remember reading something and you can you can tell me whether this is a myth or not. That Van Gogh <laughs> <laughs> painted or was his most prolific when he was actually getting treatment for his uh, mental health. Interesting. I didn't know that. Well, I don't know if it's true. I thought you would tell me whether it was true or not. Not just because you're Dutch, but because you're getting into the letters of... We'll fact check this after the episode. And if it's correct, we won't say anything. If it's incorrect, we'll put it in the show notes. And then that leads me into what I just made a note saying, like, is it torture in the art or is it torture in the artist? There's a distinction there as well, because my art can look quite tortured. And you said a similar thing, as if your life is only about fat shaming and racism. That's in your art. But that is not necessarily 100% of your life experience. It's just an important part of it that you want to explore through paintings. The torture, yeah, is it in the art or in the artist or both or neither? And then it brings it back to that conversation as well, which I think we've had before about painting what you need to paint. And that is valid if it's a true expression of yourself and that that is a more important marker or benchmark than 
if it's tortured. I'm just thinking about all the people that I know who paint things that are quite happy, like flowers and stuff like that. And they do it with immense skill and with it with immense happiness. And I admire that. I can't do it because when I try it, I get bored very quickly. I need to do these tortured faces because that is what feels right to me. But that doesn't mean that somebody from the outside can say like, oh, well, those flowers that you're painting and the happy things that you're painting, oh, well, that's less valuable. I definitely agree with that. But I also want to point out that some happy paintings aren't necessarily born from the experience of happiness. I've got three happy paintings. One is a panda and you would think, oh, it's a cute panda. But I was feeling so unsafe in that point of time that I needed a comforting creature. That reminds me of the other Tamara, Tamara Laporte. You're like, the other Tamara? How dare? How dare? (laughs) Tamara Laporte, she paints a lot of very beautiful, pretty faces, girls, whimsical animals and stuff. And I know that it's like, it's a healing. I don't want to put words in her mouth, but this is my interpretation of things that she said before. It's like healing an inner child part, like painting things that she needs. And that comes out as looking happy or childlike or like full of wonder, but that it might actually be born out of pain or something, you know, like healing something that needs healing. I'm thinking about suffering in the process. We're talking about suffering like emotionally, but what about when a painting takes somebody 141 hours? Why do we feel, even if it's just of a hyper-realistic eye, is somehow valid? Do you think we're trying to make our art more valuable in terms of time and money? I'm just sitting here and thinking, well, why do we do it if we know that it's bullshit? Is it because we're trying to fit into the capitalist system or am I stretching here? I don't know. It's like, but just as you're saying that, I started thinking, well, one person puts 141 hours into their one painting and another person might use the same 141 hours, but make lots and lots of different pieces of art. And when I put it that way, when I actually kind of almost visualize on the one hand, this one painting that has so many hours and and dedication put into it. And then on the other hand, I think of the volume of work that also has all this time and dedication put into it. All of a sudden, they actually feel more equal because I think previously I was comparing 141 hour piece of work with a 15 minute piece of work or like a half hour piece of work or whatever. I was comparing those two things as like with like, but they are not like with like. You have to compare the work that is done in the same amount of hours, really. I feel like I'm having my mind blown. I never thought of it that way. I never thought of it that way either. I was more like, okay, 130 hours in therapy, 10 hours sitting in nature, one hour painting. That's why it's legitimate. But I actually like yours better because I wish that I had that same kind of dedication to put into one single painting. Yeah. But I would be so bored. I would be so bored. I would just be literally flogging myself to sort of the canvas. Yeah. And I always feel like I get the most stuck when I... I start having requirements of myself that are not really my process. And that's what I, is this something that I'm working on very much in the art that I'm doing at the moment. Like I'm very much exploring it at the moment, reminding myself of what my process is. Because the biggest stuckness is when I start 
pushing to be something that I'm not. That if I feel like, oh, well, gosh, all these one hour sessions making an art journal page are not valid. I need to like sit here and work on the same piece for six hours. And then like I get completely stuck. I will go away from my art desk and like not come back for three months. You know, why am I doing that to myself? I'm torturing myself and it does not lead to more art. If I torture myself, it leads to not creating at all, actually. I have a question. What's the difference between you wanting to be like someone else and you wanting to be a future version of yourself? Because I hear you as you're talking. I'm just thinking, I would like to be able to sit more often and work through a piece instead of jumping from here to here. I'd like to finish a project. And that is a future version of myself. Yes, I'm with you. You're saying like, when is it that you're actually in your own way because it's too painful to get from A to B. So you just stay at A and you never get to B. Because I feel like that too. I think there's two things at the same time. There's on the one hand, there's this harsh judgmental voice that says like, oh, well, unless you've put loads of hours into it and suffered for it, it's not real art. But there's also a part of me that would, like you just said, have more dedication and see something through and spend more time with a painting. And I just like, I don't feel capable. And for me right now, the only options are either do things in the process that I know works for me or to not do it at all. That third option isn't really available to me yet. Okay. I feel... There is a third option. Like you said, it's not available for you yet. It's small, consistent actions. Spending five minutes a day and increasing it as time goes on. I like working like that. I think I got a little bit fearful when you said trying to be like someone else. And I just wondered, am I trying to be like someone else or am I trying to be a future version of myself? I keep on thinking about pain fuels connection. And when I say things like that, I get nervous because it's not just pain. Yeah, it's also love that fuels connection. Mm. I don't know what else could fuel connection. Cables. (laughs) I heard something like I create in spite of pain because I thought, well, maybe everything's inspired by pain, but maybe everything is in spite of pain. And I really just wonder what's the difference? Is the difference just the words I'm saying? That, oh, this art is inspired by my pain or, oh, I created this in spite of my pain. I think one feels a little bit more... Yeah, like warrior-like in a way. Yeah, but is it also maybe just this narrative that we always need to overcome everything? Even me, that's my narrative now as an artist, by the way. I was stressed and depressed and now I'm like living my life and... I don't know, is it me just language semantics so I can suit a narrative? It's a really interesting distinction that you're making. And I love that because I feel like so often in life, I feel like certain things are the same. And then you start thinking about them and then you're like, oh no, hang on. These two things that I thought were the same are actually different, like different experiences or different facets of something that is similar. The thing is, I really like the attitude of holding hands with your feelings. I think that in the past, I definitely wanted to defeat things and I wanted to fix things. Like, okay, this feeling, oh gosh, I don't like it. Let's see how I can get rid of it. And these days, I'm actually not trying to get rid of anything. I am much more trying to live with things and not really do things in spite of, but just see if I can actually do them with. So can I make paintings with the fear? 
This is something from season one. It's automatically hitting me, this thing that I say that I'm going to die soon. The growth that I've done since the last podcast, please clap for me after I tell you what it is. After I tell you. Oh, sorry. <laughs> is I said that I need to do this because I'm going to die. But I've been changing that to I get to do this. And it has made all the difference in how I behave. Because before I was going at it with a very rushed energy. I need to do this. I have to do this. And now it's a little bit more easy and calmer. It's a big distinction for me with the words that I have to use. Now, when you say you create with your pain, it's something I'm not 100% okay with yet sitting in my feelings. I'm still working on that. I don't like pain. When I feel pain, I just always feel like I'm wasting a little portion of my life. It's not the right thing to feel. When you say that, I actually feel slightly envious of you. I'm not there yet. That's why for me, in spite of, feels a little bit better than inspired by. Saying that you don't feel entitled to your feelings. It's a good thing to shed light on because I feel like this feeling of entitlement and even entitlement, the word itself feels like a dirty word, right? Living comfortably within yourself and within your feelings and with other people and taking up the space that you take up in life, it has something to do with the positive sense of entitlement, as if you have rights, like you have a right to your feelings, you have a right to make the art that you're making, you have a right to your opinions and to say the things that you want to say. Like, not, I don't mean this as like a carte blanche to be a dick or something. I just mean the right to exist, basically, and to have expressions of your life and existence. But I think a lot of us don't feel entitled. And I think that's where we kind of get tied up in knots. Because I actually think that this whole uh, start of the conversation of do you need to be a tortured artist? Does it need to be 141 hours in order to be valid? It's all to do with that question of entitlement. And if you feel entitled, and I think I need to say it differently, if you feel like you have the rights to exist and to express, then I think that question of, is this valid? Is this right? Doesn't really come up in you. I think I can see that very clearly in some people who just so convincedly do what it is that they're into. And I've never had that. I've always questioned. I've always felt like, oh gosh, well, no, I'm not valid. I don't belong to this or that. I can't claim this or that because I'm not enough of a blah, 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 or I don't do it right. And I think it all comes back to this feeling of, am I allowed? Do I have these rights? And if you feel like you have these rights, then then you can just go forth and do. But if you don't, then you kind of get stuck. I'm on a journey at the moment to take the torture out of my process. Not to take the torture out of my art. I love my expressive and emotive art and it feels so worth doing. I mean to take the torture out of the process and I just want to spend more time within seeking out that flow of creation and I feel like it's there if I just am able to not create torture for myself in the process. I'm not seeking to not suffer my feelings. I'm fully open. Uh, no, I'm not fully open. That's a lie. But I'm like, technically, intellectually, I am open to experiencing all the things. But I don't want to create obstacles in my art making process. Because if I do, then I'm creating barriers that don't need to exist. If I could just exist with my established process 
and experiencing my feelings, that would be really cool. And I think that's what I'm working on right now. I have a right self to feel sadness, to feel pain, and not inspired by or in spite of, but with, to hold hands. Hand me that tube of paint. Pain. <laughs> hand me that tube of pain. Oh my God. I kind of feel like we've really explored this topic. Like, I don't feel like I've got anything else to say. What, what about you? Yeah, for sure. It's like a used condom flapping in the wind. Lovely. That's such a great metaphor. Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my God. I ju it just came out. Sorry. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> and um, there is going to be people listening who really like that's This is the content they're here for. So, you know, those people are welcome. And the people who are horrified, well, you can switch it off now. You probably already did. Can I ask you something lighthearted, which is what are you excited about right now? Dungeons and Dragons. Are you playing Dungeons and Dragons? I got the starter kit. Oh, great. Created my character, but it's just me, how and I, we've been struggling to find people to play with online. So we're going to play a game where I'm going to DM and he's going to be the sole character. Oh my God, he's going to die. <laughs> I hope it goes according to plan. If it doesn't, then I will make sure he dies. I'm really excited about that. I'm very excited for you. Dungeons and Dragons is so great. So yeah. Do you play? I've, I've played quite a bit. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Now that I feel exposed, what are you excited about? Wow, that question came out of left field. I didn't expect <laughs> it. I don't have an answer ready. I'm excited about my art journaling practice. I really feel like I am coming back to it. I have been trying to get up when my alarm goes off rather than hit the snooze button three times. If I actually get up when the alarm goes off, then I have about 20, 25 minutes for art. And it's like a conscious talking to myself where I really try to not make things difficult. So as soon as I notice the thoughts coming up of I should or like, oh no, this doesn't blah, 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 you know, all the shoulds and all the pressure and all the inner critic stuff, then I notice it. And by noticing it, it kind of allows me to get back on track and actually just want to really briefly touch on the inner critic because so often I kind of feel like, oh, well, I don't have an inner critic anymore because I tend to like all of the art that I do. When I first started, I didn't like the art that I did so often. I was so critical about it. And then when that changed, it was kind of like, oh, I don't have an inner critic anymore. But the inner critic just morphs and changes. Like you're always having challenges. So I just like thought I would point that out because I thought that that was interesting because sometimes you don't even notice that you're being critical because you've not been critical in that way before. But like me stopping myself from making art in the way that is most easy and established for me, that's that's a function of the inner critic. The inner critic is actually stopping me and creating obstacles. I can say something about the inner critic too. <clears throat> as long as I have this desire to love, I will have an inner critic because part of its function is to allegedly protect me. And that's what it's trying to do. So I kind of have a little bit more peace when it shows up. And I understand having one is a part of living. Hmm. Having an inner critic is a part of living. I love that. Like that's because so... Because it's not just art, right? It's anything. Yeah. It's the yeah. amount of toilet paper you use. I'm not even oh joking. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, why are you calling me out like this, Tamara? <laughs> oh, is it you too? <laughs> yeah. And this stems from like moving out when I was 18 and realizing how fucking expensive toilet paper is. Oh my God. 
<laughs> oh, so I use a lot, and Mihao tells me uh, th- that I need to have a two square lament. <laughs> oh no! Oh, that's terrible. That wraps it up in a wonderful yeah. bow. Toilet paper and inner critics. Yes, oh. absolutely. What's it? Swings and roundabouts. We did say with honesty and humor, didn't we? Um. Goodbye. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thanks for putting up with us. I hope you've found this interesting uh, and that you've had some insights. We're just like, we're so super excited that you're here and that you're still with us. I hope, like, I hope that the, the, the listener count on this episode is like more than one. <laughs> can you hold on so I can check something while we're yeah. here? I want to see how many downloads we've had. Oh, yeah. Please let us know how many downloads have we had. And this is uh, just to let you know that this stat comes at the end of season one because we haven't actually released any season two episodes at the time of recording this. So, yes, give me the stats. And also, we're not not including any YouTube listens or anything like that, just purely from the... Oh, so close, Iris. 1,989 downloads. What? What? Sorry, can you can you say that again? Because my brain okay, stopped wait. listening after you said the word 1,000. Okay, wait, everybody calm down because I might be wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not wrong. I'm right. Say it Let's again. Just... 1989. Oh my God, what? Like, I need to lie down now. <laughs> can you believe it? No, I can't. But thank you, everybody who listens so much because you did this. Yeah. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Um, all right. We are going to go and lie down and calm down. And you are going to listen to the key takeaways. One, being engaged with negative or painful feelings does not make you a negative person. Two, The tortured artist archetype might exist because what you engage with the most might be more likely to come up in your art. As artists, we are encouraged and even expected to share more freely and openly about ourselves and our inner workings. We share those private things with the public more than other professions, which can give us the label of tortured. 3. When pain is a strong part of your artistic process, what happens when pain is absent? The same can be said for any other emotion or state of being. 4. Connection with the viewer or public through your art does not have to be solely based in pain. Happy, compassionate and loving art also provides connection. Note that sometimes even those works of art can also be born out of pain. 5. Ask, do we need to be melancholy or live in squalor to work relentless hours sacrificing self, relationships, etc. to be seen as valid artists? If yes, why? Do we perhaps believe that there is a price to pay to be an artist? Or do we see suffering as noble? 6. There are distinctions between the types of pain in art, the pain before coming to the canvas, the pain in the process the pain in the physical execution, and the pain in the final painting. 7. There is legitimacy in ease. A quick painting is valid and is only quick because of the work you put into learning and doing prior to said painting. 8. 141 hours spent on one painting is as valid as 141 paintings created each hour. 9. An important benchmark with art is not that it is torture or appears tortured, but rather that it is true to yourself. 
10. When you have requirements of yourself that are not a part of your process, such as flogging yourself to sit at the easel for hours on end, that is when you torture yourself. This torture does not lead to more art. 11. Sometimes we might avoid pain or aim to fix or defeat it in order to fit a narrative of overcoming. We may say we are inspired by pain or create in spite of pain. Those modes are valid. There is another mode that we can try too, and that is to hold hands with pain and create with it side by side. Remember, if you enjoyed this podcast, we would love for you to review it, share it with your friends, or even drop us an email at notarealartistpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. 